Hello, friends. Welcome to the 23rd episode of In The Know. I'm JD, the Chief Learning Architect at Exonify. And yes, I am a real person. And that's an important point to make up front because today's show is all about artificial intelligence. AI is everywhere right now. It's less of a hype cycle and more of a just hype avalanche because all people on LinkedIn want to talk about right now is ChatGPT. AI is the second hottest topic of the year, according to Don Taylor's Global Sentiment Survey, up from number 12 in 2022. The conversation around AI is so pervasive that someone else already did this show. That's right. While we were planning this episode, John Oliver did his very own segment on AI on Last Week Tonight, and he did a really good job of outlining the potentials and the pitfalls associated with modern AI. So I wouldn't be mad, you know, if you just turned me off and went over and watched him talk about this stuff for 25 minutes. That's okay. That's okay. But for those of you who are going to stay around with us, let's explore the immediate implications of AI on the employee experience. That means we need to understand at a basic level what AI is and what it's capable of. Then we have to apply that understanding to the employee experience by identifying potential applications for this technology that are gonna help us solve familiar problems and improve our EX. But most importantly, we have to proactively identify the risks associated with this technology and ask the right questions so that we can shape how AI fits within our strategies and not let technology overwhelm our decision-making. So let's begin our deep dive in the most fun and you know ridiculous way possible by talking about AI with AI. See, now you're glad you stayed because John Oliver didn't do this. Please welcome our special guest, Samuel. Samuel, how are you doing today? As an AI language model, I don't have emotions like humans do, but I'm functioning perfectly fine and ready to answer any questions you may have about AI in the workplace. So let's get started with the interview, JD. That's a good point. So you look like a person, you sound like a person, but it's important that people don't personify AI, right? While AI can seem like it has a personality or human-like qualities, it's important to remember that it's still just a tool created by humans to assist us in various tasks. When we personify AI, we may inadvertently give it too much credit or rely on it too heavily, without fully understanding its limitations and potential biases. Additionally, by treating AI as if it were human, we risk creating unrealistic expectations or even ethical concerns. So it's important to always keep in mind that I is a machine, not a person. Now, can you explain in the simplest terms possible, how popular AI tools like ChatGPT, how do they actually work? Sure, happy to explain. ChatGPT, like many other AI tools, is based on a type of technology called deep learning, which involves training a neural network on a large data set of text. This network can then be used to generate new text that is similar in style and content to the training data. Now, I want to see how you handle a question that's a little bit tricky. All right, here we go. Two people are playing chess. They both win. How did that happen? Interesting question. However, I think there might be some confusion here. In a game of chess, there are typically two players, and only one of them can win the game. It's not possible for both players to win at the same time. 
Actually, they were playing different people. Nice try, though. Nice try. You know, I was just thinking, this whole thing's a bit unfair. You're a machine. I'm a human. Let's let's do something. Let's level the playing field a bit. Here we go. Okay, next question. What are AI tools like you and me really good at? And what are we not so good at? As an AI language model, I'm really good at processing large amounts of text data and generating responses based on that data. I can understand the nuances of language like grammar and sentence structure and can even generate responses that sound natural and conversational. However, there are certain things that AI like me are not so good at. For example, I don't have true emotions or creativity like humans do, and I can struggle with understanding sarcasm or humor. Additionally, while I can generate responses based on patterns and data, I don't truly understand the meaning of what I'm saying, and I don't have true common sense or intuition. Given our unique capabilities, what kinds of problems can AI help people solve in the workplace? AI has the potential to help us with a wide variety of tasks in the workplace. It can automate tedious and repetitive tasks so employees can focus on more complex and creative work. It can also personalize customer experiences, optimize operations, and help companies make more informed decisions by predicting outcomes. The possibilities are really endless, and we're only starting to see the full potential of AI in the workplace. Okay, I think this is enough of fake me. Let's get the real version back in here. All right, that's better, that's better. So Samuel, how much do people need to know about AI to really take advantage of it as part of their everyday work experience? While it's not necessary for everyone to become an AI expert, having a basic understanding of AI can be helpful for anyone who wants to take advantage of its potential in the workplace. You don't need to have a deep understanding of the technical details of AI to take advantage of it in your everyday work. Many AI tools are designed to be user-friendly and accessible to people with varying levels of technical expertise. Ultimately, the most important thing is to be open to exploring new tools and technologies and to be willing to learn and adapt as needed. With the right mindset and approach, anyone can take advantage of the benefits of AI in their everyday work. Now, this rapid technology evolution is just yet another thing people need to keep pace with on the job. So what can companies do to help people get past the fear that often comes associated with artificial intelligence and really embrace the potential for this new technology? To help people get past their fear of AI and embrace new technology, companies can take several steps. First, they can provide education and training to help demystify the technology and show employees how it can be used to improve their work. Second, companies can encourage open communication between employees and management to address concerns and build trust. Third, they can introduce AI in small ways to help employees become more comfortable with the technology over time. Finally, companies can emphasize the potential benefits of AI, like increased efficiency or improved customer experiences, to help employees see the value in embracing the technology. Samuel, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to discuss the potential of AI in the workplace with you. If you or your viewers have any more questions or want to learn more about AI, don't hesitate to reach out. Thanks. I don't know where I'd call because you're not a real person, but you know, but anyway, thanks for the offer.
That was a quick demonstration of generative AI capability. And if you're wondering what just happened, here's a quick breakdown of how we created our conversation with Samuel. Everything started in ChatGPT. We went through a series of trial and error prompts to land on a set of instructions that consistently generated the type of interaction that we were looking for. Then we fed ChatGPT each of our individual questions one by one and generated the text of everything you just heard Samuel say. Then we took the transcript and plugged it into Synthesia, where we generated the talking head video using one of their many avatar options and one of their voice options. The avatar that we selected is actually named Samuel, so that's where his name came from. Now, Samuel never really existed, but I do. So we created an AI version of me using a completely different set of tools. First, I took my scripted conversation, all of the questions I was going to ask in my responses to Samuel for that middle portion of our conversation and dropped that into Resemble. I had already fed a series of voice samples into the AI platform, so it had generated a synthesized version of my voice. So now I just applied that AI voice to the scripted segments for our conversation. Then, still going, we used a reference image of me sitting right here in this outfit, in this spot, and then generated a corresponding set of AI versions of me using MidJourney. And then finally, we uploaded that still image of me and my AI voice into DID to create the fully animated AI JD. So overall, it took five different AI tools and about three hours of production and processing time to create the conversation that you just watched. So I know what you're thinking. What was the point of all of that? Well, first of all, it's just fun to play with new technology and to see what you can do, You know, start imagining how can you use these types of tools in the work that you do every day. But that's one of the more interesting parts of this whole kind of new wave of AI awareness. A lot of people are looking at AI like this is a totally brand new technology, but that's really far from the truth. Sure, there are, there are hundreds of new AI tools flooding the marketplace right now, thanks in large part to the popularity of tools like ChatGPT and DALI and other generative AI software. But we've been using AI in our work, and by we, I'm talking about you and me, for years. Because every time you use autocomplete in an email, every time you accept a design recommendation in PowerPoint, or if you transcribe a meeting as the conversation is going in Zoom, that's AI. So AI isn't a separate thing. It's just how technology works nowadays. And in my case, I've been applying AI tools of my own for the past seven years, ever since I joined Exonify. So do you mind if I show you one more cool AI trick? And I promise no more AI voices in this case. So what I did before today was I took the entire transcript from our AI-generated conversation and I dropped it into Exonify. Specifically, I asked our AI content assistant to parse the transcript, so to look at everything that I and Samuel said, find the most important points, and then write a set of assessment questions from our conversation. And if you're in learning and development, you know how hard it can be to write good assessment questions. So here's a quick example of a multiple choice question written by artificial intelligence in less than three minutes based just on the source transcript from our conversation. And then one more trick, here's that same question automatically generated into German by artificial intelligence and our question writer. 
And that's just one of the immediate applications that AI has within the employee experience, accelerating the development of learning content. And this is already helping instructional designers take on more projects and apply their uniquely human skills by consulting with stakeholders and identifying performance challenges, things that AI can't do on its own. And when you look across the EX spectrum, you can find a wide range of potential applications for this kind of technology. And I'm talking about right now, the types of things we can introduce today, not just off in the distant future. So if you take a couple of examples, let's look at talent acquisition. We already have machines parsing resumes. I've heard numbers around 80% or so of resumes are read by a machine before they ever get near a human hiring manager or a human recru recruiter. So the machine is looking for keywords and skills that match job openings. But we can take that even a step further now by using AI to get proactive, searching for right fit candidates based on data available out there within our profession before people even think to apply for an open role. And then we can also leverage the type of technology we've been talking about, things like chat and natural language to make it easier for candidates or people who just want to engage with our companies without there always having to be a person in the mix. We already touched on one application for L&D, content generation, but AI is also being used in a variety of different ways to connect people to the right learning and support resources when they need it. So AI is really helping us maximize our investment in L&D programs, as well as the time people take to dedicate to learning and development by making sure it's focused on the right skills and the right areas to develop, not just a one-size-fits-all package. This extends into our broader talent strategies by allowing us to use data and AI to find gaps in our organizational capability. You've probably had a conversation about skill strategies recently. This is where a lot of this technology is headed, using AI to parse large amounts of data to figure out what skills do we have as an organization, where are their gaps, and then how do we use that understanding to assign tasks or uh, suggest promotions or maybe upskill people in critical areas where gaps exist. AI is also being applied in shifting communication strategy by not only accelerating content creation so we can get timely messages, concise, meaningful messages out to the right people at the right time, but it's also helping people find the answers that they need, not just the resources that may contain the answer. Because I don't know about you, but if you've ever searched your knowledge database and all you can find are 10-year-old PowerPoint presentations, that doesn't help you do your job effectively. But now, Artificial intelligence and the type of technology that you've seen today can help people find the answer to their questions instead of just a resource that might contain that answer. AI and improved data practices, as you can tell, are changing the entire operating model for the HR function by making it easier for employees to self-serve through different processes and information, and then providing HR managers with a more in-depth, actionable set of insights into the capabilities of their team, as well as where there may be potential needs. And this includes things like sentiment analysis, where AI is going beyond the annual survey and really leveraging the data that exists across our organization, something I've heard referred to as digital exhaust, right? How can we use this data to understand where there are potential risks within the organization? Maybe where, where pockets of employees or maybe individuals are particularly engaged or maybe where engagement is starting to fall off. And again, that allows us to get more proactive and action-oriented rather than waiting 12 months for people to tell us how their workplace experience is going. And this is just the beginning of the AI-enabled workplace. It's what I'm calling the Cassiopeia phase because I was so excited when I got a Cassiopeia, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, in college because it was my first digital organizer. I could manage my calendar, 
I could take notes with it. And that's pretty much all it could do. And then quickly it was outdone by my first BlackBerry, which looks downright archaic compared to the smartphones that we're carrying today. And AI is following this similar technology evolution. It may be going a little bit quicker right now, but we need to keep this evolution in mind that this is the worst AI is going to ever be right now as we evolve our EX strategies moving forward, leveraging this kind of technology. Because getting ahead of ourselves and failing to plan for how this rapid evolution of technology is going to impact the workplace is where things may fall short and where we introduce additional risk into the business. AI is just moving too quickly for you in any function within a business to sit back and wait to see how this works out. So we have to start asking questions right now to protect our organizations, to protect the people we support, and make sure we take full advantage of what this technology is able to do. So what types of questions do we need to be asking? Well, it starts with questions around data. How do new AI tools align with your data security and data privacy rules? Right? How do they align with regional regulations that your company is expected to follow? And please, please, please do not put proprietary information into an AI tool, especially a free platform like ChatGPT, before you ask these questions, because you have to know where the data is going and how the model's being trained using data before you start using it. Otherwise, you may get yourself into trouble. Then there's the question of sourcing. Where did this information that's generated from AI come from? Is it accurate? Is it okay for you to be using something that's been created by an AI tool? AI is particularly good at what they call hallucinating or lying with confidence, right? The workplace just carries too much risk for us to implement tools that we can't trace the information back to a source to determine if it's trustworthy, right? It's one thing to write a cool poem about microlearning because that's fun. It's a completely different thing to use an AI tool to generate a response that I'm going to use and apply as part of my work process that may create a challenge or a risk associated to that work if the response provided by the tool is wrong. Then there's the question of skills, right? What do people need to be able to do in order to take advantage of the power of these technologies? We often talk about the fact that employees can get left behind when the technology they use on the job evolves too quickly. I mean, we've been having conversations about how to use mobile devices effectively on the job for 10, 15 years at this point, and AI is moving too quickly to allow us that amount of time to figure this out. So for example, there's, there's a lot of conversation right now about a skill called prompt engineering. Had you heard the words prompt engineering before six months ago? I know I hadn't. So what is prompt engineering? Well, it's knowing what to put into a chatbot like ChatGPT to get the best response out, knowing what the tool is capable of and how to use it effectively versus just doing your best and really not getting all the value you can. So we have to start identifying and prioritizing the skills we need to help people develop so they can really take advantage of this technology and not feel like they're getting left behind. Another big consideration, we've talked a lot about for years at this point associated to data in the workplace, inclusive of AI technology, is bias. Again, a major consideration. We've already seen challenges when it comes to applications like recruitment and hiring because the data used to train the AI that was making recommendations or helping hiring managers make decisions contained certain biases. So technology is a key part of fostering equity within our workplaces, but it only happens when technology is applied with care. And this is another reason why our final question is so important. And it's about transparency. 
How are you making sure that AI isn't just a black box where decisions are made within the organization without people understanding what, where those decisions came from? People have to know how technology is influencing their job, whether it's related to something uh, around hiring, a promotion recommendation, a training recommendation, any other part of the employee experience. The truth is that a lot of people may not care about exactly how the technology works and why they're getting uh, nudged in the directions they may be getting nudged. But some people very much will because it affects the job that they do every day. And by asking these questions and getting proactive, we'll be able to do some really cool stuff with the technology as it quickly evolves, not just the type of conversation and generative content that you saw me demonstrate today. What these questions are going to help us do is reduce the fear that comes with big technology leaps and help people see that the real threat in this whole AI conversation isn't AI taking our jobs, right? AI gets really good at completing certain tasks. So the threat isn't about someone being replaced by AI per se. The real challenge here is making sure that we're able to use the tools effectively because that's the person we're going to be competing with. The person who gets really clever and savvy with using an AI tool to do their job differently. Because remember, if you take away anything from today's episode, it's that AI isn't something that you decide to use. It's just how technology works nowadays. So thanks so much again for joining us for our deep dive into AI in the workplace. If you want to learn more about the application of AI at work, I have a couple books to recommend for you. There's AI for Learning by Donald Clark. Check that out. And we also have AI for HR by Ben Eubanks. So two big recommends right there if you're interested in diving into this topic even more. If you had a good time with me and Samuel and AI me, be sure to subscribe to ITK. Head over to exonify.com slash ITK to sign up for show announcements and reminders. You can also check out the entire ITK collection, all human activity in that case, over on the Exonify YouTube channel or listen to In the Know on your favorite podcast app. And join us in two weeks when our next ITK guest who is a very real human, and it's Lori Niles Hoffman. Lori will be here to talk about upskilling and why organizations need to move their focus beyond the traditional career path and shift to a focus on continuous skill development. So join us on Wednesday, March 29th, as we get to know Lori Niles Hoffman. Until then, I've been JD, now you're in the know, and always remember to ask yourself the important questions. Like, did you hear about the new artificially intelligent Oreo? Yeah, it's one smart cookie. I'll see you next time.